Welcome to our podcast, where everyone here at NADATA gets to sound off on the latest things happening in the AI and machine learning space, talk about new ways to manage data, and or talk about all the geeky things we love to hate, or is it hate to love? I'm Steve Aberly, your host who moonlights as the chief of products here for NADATA. Be sure to stick around until the end of the podcast, where I always ask our guests' opinion on how close we really are to the AI-induced robot apocalypse. You're listening to Anadata's podcast, Should I Say Thank You to Siri? Talking to Joe Clark on the podcast today, who is the principal scientist and owner of HSB Intel, a firm focusing on applied AI and machine learning, a variety of customers from NASA to the Defense Department, we talk about a range of AI-related subjects, but first I ask him to tell us a little bit about himself and how he got involved in applied AI. Yeah, man, thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. So uh, a little bit about me. I uh, started off, uh, I guess, my, my analytics career, so to speak. Started off back in about 2007. Uh, more kind of from the statistical learning perspective, looking at different... Uh, Ways we could uh, take uh, algorithms that came from the decision science world mm. and apply them to problems within the DOD. Uh, started a company with my brother, built some tracking systems for the government, uh, got into the hardware side of the analytics world, kind of the HPC, high performance analytics hardware space, because um, that was the problem at the time. And uh, then moved into the AI space a couple years ago and have been focusing on that ever are since. You, so you're more in the application um, part of AI or research? What are you focusing yeah, on? Yeah, so I mean primarily, so applied AI is the field, or I'd say the, the primary area I focus on. Uh, I try to stay abreast in the, the theoretical stuff because there's like a lot of really interesting things happening there. Um, but there's, you know, uh, I would say there's there's tons of problems that can be solved in the applied AI side of the house. And that's also kind of what's really interesting is, is right. applying this stuff. Joe recently authored a paper on self-assembling neural networks that is getting some national attention. He explains that here. Basically, there's a problem, uh, not a problem, but one. Uh, so, so the area in the AI space that's actually uh, having the most traction is what's called deep learning. And mm -hmm. uh, you probably hear everybody talking about it. And essentially, uh, that is um, uh, how, how deep learning works is you train uh, a neural network to classify um, objects. Mm -hmm. uh, and those objects can be a lot of different things. It can be people's faces, places, uh, uh, sounds, you know, right. any, any type of signal. Right. Um, so in order to do that, you, um, and that's actually probably all the buzz you hear in the media about AI and the value of AI uh, to, that everyone's talking about in this huge groundswell the market is due to the success of deep learning models or these trained neural networks, these deep neural networks. Right. Um, but in order to train them, uh, one of the steps that is required is to uh, have a large uh, label training data set. And there's an interesting thing that, uh, that companies like Facebook and Google discovered was that um, for a lot of these models um, that don't really work very well in the beginning with small training data sets, labeled training data sets, um, as the amount of uh, 
data or tra label training data increases, the performance of the model drastically increases. Mm. Um, so they're kind of like these generalized models that, that, that can uh, enable a machine to learn, you know, right. all sorts of stuff or classify all sorts of things. However, the problem is you have to have the data. So if you don't have the data, you can't, you can't, you know, really kind of start to uh, take advantage of, of these neural networks. So anyway, the paper, uh, I, I guess what I started doing, I don't know, like a year or so ago was playing around with uh, some of these models and different ways that you could uh, build a neural network um, with very little data and using a method, basically it's called an unsupervised mm -hmm. uh, learning method um, where you don't have labeled data you have data uh, that is not labeled um, that has signals in it or objects in it that the network can build itself out as it observes structure in the data we spent some time together in chicago a couple weeks ago where we talked about the basics of ai what is it what's the difference between ai machine learning deep learning neural networks I want to include that conversation in this podcast for everyone here to get a baseline of exactly how the field of AI is structured. So basically within AI, you have uh, a lot of different techniques. And then there's kind of, you know, look at it like a Venn diagram. You have a big circle that's AI. Within that circle, you kind of have this overlapping circle that's called statistical learning. I mean, those are things like regression analysis and uh, uh logistic regression and mm -hmm. you know uh, game theory algorithms and things like that uh, and then kind of where those two circles overlap there's a another circle and that's machine learning and then within that machine learning circle there's another circle uh, that is uh, uh, deep learning so uh, deep learning is neural part of networks. yeah exactly right. exactly and it's called deep learning because they're just deep neural networks and that's the reason and that, i mean relatively that's pretty recent right that came out of was it ottawa university of ottawa the yeah. couple of canadian research yeah, PhDs. Yeah. yeah so that that um it came out of uh like not peter norvig um jeffrey hinton so jeffrey okay, hinton right. actually really interesting guy um but uh, yeah, he was one of the pioneers who right. pioneered neural networks and kind of came out of the, right. you know, the, basically people looking at how the brain worked. Um, and, uh, and that's where the, you know, the, the architecture came from was how the neurons are structured in the human brain. From a media perspective, the concept of AI and machine learning is tough to escape. Journals, news articles precipitating a groundswell of interest from just about every type of business you can imagine. I asked Joe, what are the most common roadblocks organizations will encounter on their journey to being an AI-driven enterprise? Yeah, so I think the first one is um, a lack of understanding of, of, of the technology and what it would actually, uh, where, where to, what it does and where to focus it. Mm, um, can't solve uh, can't solve the ocean, right? Yeah, and it's like cloud in a little bit. Where when uh, when cloud first, you know, became a uh, um, uh, I guess a viable technology um, in the enterprise space, the but it was thrown around as a buzzword, and there's you know people kind of use it as a marketing 
more for marketing than actually educating people on how cloud could, how it worked, why it worked, what the benefits were and how to apply it. Right. And how to take advantage of it. Interesting. And AI is kind of similar. So, so like we've seen with cloud now, now everybody kind of understands like, all right, it's right. outsourcing some of these applications right. a bit better in the cloud and, um, or in this, uh, centralized environment that's managed by someone else. Right. Um, uh, and you know, we know there's AWS and GCP and Microsoft Azure. So now there's all these options to consume it. Um, but with AI, we're kind of at the same point where people don't quite understand what it is, how it works. Like just, you know, kind of like you asked me about the, uh, you know, what is AI? What's machine learning? What's right. deep neural networks? Um, what, and what does it mean for me? What, yeah. What, how can a, it help as you? As a business, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like what is people, a lot of people like, I know I need to get in, use AI, but I don't know how. Mm -hmm. And uh, should I go buy the next shiny thing? So I think it generally there's the understanding problem, and then there's the um, actually um, having uh, I guess lack or, of access to the data they need right. or the data that's pertinent to their organization oh, in order to take advantage of AI. Right, and whether it's AI ML ready data. Right, absolutely. Yep. I ask here if small businesses can take advantage of AI. And if Joe has any advice for those just starting their exploration of AI, machine learning, and neural networks. I think small businesses can take advantage of it. Um, and I, I think they're at a little bit of a disadvantage uh, to the large organizations. Uh, who, right, who can afford data scientists yeah. and here's a few data lakes. And, exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I do believe... There's a couple things that are going. I think the biggest problem that, that small businesses face is that education uh, and, and knowledge portion, because and almost just the understanding that it always starts with a use case. Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. Right. Um, so, and I I think so. The first I would say the first education portion or piece would be someone within the organization from a high level. You don't even understand how the algorithms work, but understanding what they can do. Right. Um, and, and maybe being taught, given a couple of general business ideas of how in general those algorithms could help a business. Uh, and then also maybe someone saying this is how it's different than what you have with your SQL database or your uh, CRM tool today. Here's the gap it can fill and here's the things it can do that those systems historically could not do. You can use what's called uh, unsupervised learning if you have any like you know customer records for instance right and you want to find out who's my best customers or right. micro segmentation yep. find the anomalies exactly, in the data, right? so, exactly. so you so any kind of business could use on trained but even you know you talk about supervised or yep. or trained machine learning right yeah um, supervised machine learning yeah even then it, you know, a medium-sized business would just need to keep track of positive and negative results, right? And and that's a training set, right? Yeah. yeah At least from yeah. a business perspective, what yeah. was something successful? Uh, uh, you you ran a test on a hypothesis you had for marketing. Yes. Um, was it successful for this specific segment yeah. or micro segment? Yeah. And if you have a way to collect that data and you have positive and negatives, then that can be your training set. It's just yep. as simple as that, right? Yep. It doesn't have yeah, to be, you know, your convolutional neural network self, you know, yeah. what, you yeah. know your 14 uh, word um, title of, yeah, of your, yeah. your paper, right? But yeah. some, some things in the machine learning world can be simplified. 
Yeah, absolutely. An important question I get asked when we're talking to potential customers or those who are curious about AI is where does the journey to being an AI-driven enterprise start? Joe reiterates here that it begins with education. We dig deeper though and talk about exactly what an organization needs to begin machine learning experimentation. So I think it starts with education. I think it absolutely has to start there first because uh, you're just going to probably spin your wheels. Um, and money. And money. Right. Probably a lot of money. Yeah, so education. So understanding uh, what value or how you would want to yeah, take the, advantage of the, the real of business you know. use cases that apply to you. Like I would say right. that, educating yourself on how AI can help you. What are the business cases that AI applies to you, uh, right. could, could enable in your organization? That would be the first one. And then the second one would be starting to collect the data required to take it to two. Uh, implement those. Do you? I mean, cases. do you need a database? Do you need to set up a data lake? Do you need? No, I don't uh, think so. Uh, not, not, not. Could everyone. be spreadsheets, right? Yeah, it could, CSV. Yeah. yeah, it could be. You know, uh, I would say the the more standardized your data is, the easier it will be for mm -hmm. you to take advantage of uh, of AI. But uh, you definitely do need to like you know you have to digitize it somehow. It, 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 that's uh, an important step. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, we always talk about the enablers of AI, you know, when we talk about Encompass at NN Data, yeah. it's centralization um, and integration, but almost need to add a third block there up front of digitization. Yeah. Right. I would identify the resources necessary. I probably wouldn't go, I wouldn't completely change your IT infrastructure necessarily. I would figure out a way to aggregate that information. Uh, where, where you could begin to leverage it and analyze it and then mm. pump it into... Possibly in memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, in memory is always is, is typically best because um, uh, it's a lot faster, uh, especially when you're, you're kind of iterating and playing around with things. We have an app for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would say in memory is definitely like kind of, you know, that's, the, that's a much faster way to do things. Um, it helps you iterate quickly. Um, I, I would say... Uh, determine a method to connect to your data sources uh, that are you know pertinent to that you've identified as potentially useful, and then and then just begin iterating, testing things. Like don't spend a ton of time trying to build like a master strategy. Just just yeah, pick an idea and test it and see if it works. Uh, the cool thing, all this stuff is based on statistics, so you're going to get like a an accuracy output, like a single numerical indicator of accuracy. And uh, zero to one, yeah, yeah, zero to some number between zero and one, and the, the higher usually the better in most cases, unless it's crazy high. But, but yeah, just, just kind of get going. I think the cool thing about small businesses, actually, although they may not be able to invest as much as like General Electric or Fortune 100s and you right. know, those guys, um, is that they can move a lot quicker. So oh, they could point. the ones that do could quickly outpace their market competitors. An interesting thing we talk about is hype associated with AI and whether the applied side of AI has been overpromised. I initially thought when I asked Joe this question that his thought was certainly going to be yes, it's absolutely overhyped and overpromised. But his take on this question goes all the way back to the early days of the internet. Listen in here. I don't think it's hype. So I, I look at this kind of like the internet. Um, so 
you know, when the internet came about, a lot of people thought it was just, oh, you know, kids like screwing around online. And then people started to realize the commerce value of the internet. Right. And then we had a hype cycle with the dot-com boom where you know, people were buying websites and stuff. But, you know, we had the spike, the artificial spike, and then it crashed. But then it kept going. And yeah. I think yeah. AI is, is definitely going to be one of those technologies just because it, it, it does create a, a massive amount of value. And it also replaces it. It can and actually already does in a lot of ways replace a lot of value that used to be provided by humans. Ooh, and, yeah. that's good. That yeah. leads us to our final question that I always like to ask everybody. How close are we to the AI-induced robot apocalypse. Joe Clark from HSB Intel, give us your parting thoughts on that question. Oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how close are we? Uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever get there or not. Uh, I think, uh, I, I think um, the the AI we have today is not capable of causing an AI apocalypse. So, <laughs> so that it's good. You're class. safe. We're yeah, safe. We're safe today. Um, so there is, um, or there there are some algorithms that you know are. Uh, uh, in the theoretical stages, I, I think once, uh, actually, it's it's kind of one of the, the my my paper I worked on. Um, so this uh, self-assembly neural networks is kind of one of the crucial steps to, um, to an artificial general intelligence kind of being able to self-improve itself rapidly and 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 right. rapidly iterate. So um, there's which is very theoretical still. So. Um, I think we're uh, a little ways off, but by the time we are able to accurately predict when it will happen, it would technically probably be too late. So um, I don't know. I, I, think, I think the more important question is how do we um, – so, so AI is going to ha happen, and AGI will probably happen. Um, so I think it's more important to think of what are ways that – what are the things that we can do today so that when AGI does happen, whatever that thing is, has a good reason to keep us around? I think it's more important to think of what are the things we can do today so that when AGI does happen, whatever that thing is, has a good reason to keep us around. Think about that for a moment. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the best answer I think I've ever got to the AI-induced robot apocalypse question. We could explore that concept just as its own standalone podcast. Joe, come work with us. So ends this session of Should I Say Thank You to Siri. Get in touch, send a note, listen in. And maybe I think I'll end every podcast from now on echoing Joe's sentiment. Let's hope. When artificial general intelligence does arrive, it has a good reason to keep us around.